Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. Broadcasting from the iHeart Media Studios in Seattle, Washington, and carried live on KHHO AM 850 in Seattle, Tacoma area, and carried nationally in streaming audio at recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with individuals and families so they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Neil Scott with Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. Taking you on the road in this edition of the program as we are in beautiful Sun River, Oregon, site of the annual leadership conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. We are going to hear from some of the true leaders in the field of addiction and mental health, true heroes who are on the front lines of treatment and recovery throughout the state of Oregon. In our first hour, we're going to begin the program with an interview with an amazing leader, a powerful woman with a long history of unselfish service to the state of Oregon. She's Heather Jeffress. She's the executive director of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health, and she's also a member of the board of directors of the National Council for Behavioral Health. We'll talk about the importance of belonging to a unified voice for treatment and recovery. We'll talk about legislation, about the history of the council, which developed, by the way, as a result of a magnificent merger of two long-standing associations, one for substance use disorder members and the other for residential providers. The synergy is reflected brightly in this conference. She also talks of the challenges facing the state of Oregon and the many great successes despite funding obstacles. We will also talk to one of the dynamic treatment leaders from the Willamette Valley, Jake Spavins. He's a passionate guy, passionate about making sure that men are a part of family healing and recovery. Not just the moms, but the dads. Jake runs the nationally acclaimed Dads Program at Willamette Valley Treatment Services. Then we'll find out what's going on down in Portland as Dan Goulet shares information about finding a path to recovery along the Oregon Trail. You see, he is the Clinical Outreach Director of Oregon Trail Recovery. And Dawn Merrigan stops by. She's the Clinical Director of Transformations Wellness Center in Klamath Falls. She'll give us an audio tour of her program at the Transformations Wellness Center. And finally, in our first hour, we're going to share a wonderful song of recovery called Mama's Coming Home Tonight, which captures the fear, anxiety, but most of all, the love of a family as they welcome mom home after going through treatment. A look at love from both sides now. The Oregon connection here is that the artist, John Batdorf, lives not far from here in Redmond, Oregon. He was a member of a legendary rock duo in the 70s, Batdorf and Rodney. He now tours nationally, often doing shows in treatment facilities. He has a powerful CD called Soundtracks to Recovery. We'll close out the first hour here in Oregon with John's poignant song of family recovery. Then in hour number two, we're going to meet five more incredible treatment professionals who will introduce you to their programs, their challenges, and their successes, all on this edition of Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week dealing with addiction with a focus on recovery. We'll take a short break, and then when we return, 
We'll have our conversation with Heather Jeffers, Executive Director of OCBH, the Oregon Council on Behavioral Health. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are broadcasting from the annual Leadership Conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health in beautiful Sun River Resort. Boy, it's just gorgeous down here. And this is a great conference. Heather Jeffress is the executive director of the Oregon Council, and she's uh, nice enough to sit down with us and talk a little bit about the council. First of all, welcome, and, and thank you for inviting us down here to be a part of this. Oh, Neil, I'm so excited that you guys were able to make it and be part of our event and really get to meet all of our wonderful providers. Oh, yeah. boy. There's a lot of energy down here in Oregon, yeah. a lot of energy. Tell me about the council. Yeah. So the council actually... Actually was formed in um, October of last year, which would be 2018, and it was actually created out of two long-standing um, associations. One was for substance use disorder mm-hmm. uh, members, and the other one was for residential providers and providers that provided services to folks with significant and persistent mental illness. And really, with the trend of integrating addictions and mental health, um, so many of our members were already doing both, and they were like, why don't we have two different associations? And neither of those associations have any staff, and we really need to create an association that represents the, what modern uh, services look like, uh, whole person services look like, and what we're actually doing in our agencies, and we want to have an association that has some staff and represents us and really can bring up the understanding of behavioral health services across the state. Because sadly, Oregon is a beautiful state, and I'm a native Oregonian, but we have had a many decades struggle of always being one of the top 10 for need mm. and one of the bottom 10 for access, unfortunately. Uh, that still state. is a big problem, access to care. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's, it's just it just breaks my heart when, when people finally say, yes, I'll do something about my my uh, substance use disorder, and they say, okay, we can, you, we can get you in and, you know, a month and a half. Yeah. Not going to work. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and sadly, that is the story in Oregon, yeah. and, and it has been for much, much too long. And really, um, as an association, our whole creation and our whole drive is to ensure a robust continuum, that the right service at the right time is available for folks so that they can have the opportunity to have recovery and a healthy life. How many members are there of the council? So we have about 42 organizations that are members, and then we also have some partners that we call affiliate members, but they don't provide direct services. All of those 42 members, we have, I think our smallest member has five staff, and our largest member, I think, well, we have two that kind of fight it out to be the largest. They have about a thousand <laughs> employees each. Wow. Yeah. And so we have quite a diversity of size and types of services and location. And we, so our members are all across the state, all the way 
from Ontario, Portland, Ashland. Is there any room for individual members? We don't do that at this time. Mm. We really are a provider association, and we also we have members that are nonprofit, and we have members that are private, privately oh, owned really? companies. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So we do have that difference. Talk about what you're doing as far as the the legislature, and I know you get a session coming up with the year after next. Yeah. So in Oregon, we have kind of a funny system. We have a long session every other year, and then in the in between years, we have a thing called short session. So we just finished a long session. It was really exciting. It was great, you know, to have a brand new agency and dive mm-hmm. right into a long mm-hmm. session literally two months later. So we kind of hit the ground running. And so um, in that last long session, we had some great success. I think the time was ripe for really? our association. We were able to bring forward um, as a brand new organization, we had a, a fee service increase. So we have a thing, and I think all states have a similar thing. They call it different things, but it's a fee schedule that's based on the Medicaid rate that has to be approved by the feds. In Oregon, we call it DMAP. In other states, it's called other things. That schedule in Oregon had not had an increase in many, 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 many years. We, just like many other places in the United States, are really struggling with payment, particularly for addiction services. Mm. And that's the problem both on the commercial side and the Medicaid side. And so we were able to get a $13 million investment this last legislation. And then that also does not include the about two-thirds match from the Medicaid benefit from mm. the feds. So all in all, 38 to $41 million investment for our providers to help pay their staff and deliver quality care and change more lives. We were very excited about that. And then we also, um, I don't know if some of your um, listeners have heard about some of the sad stories of patient brokering and, oh my gosh. and other things going on across we, the nation. Yeah, we have, we have dealt with that in, yeah. in, in many, many shows. And it's frankly, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. And, and you know, in Oregon, we're, we're very fortunate because one of the things we do have is we have a a licensing process for agencies. So the state does do some pretty stringent oversight. So that really helps protect consumers. But we were really, because we have such bad access, we were having patient brokering happening in Oregon to entice people to go out of state to states where maybe they don't have licenses or the same kind of rigorous auditing that we have here in Oregon. So we were also able to pass some patient brokering protections legislation to protect the people we serve. That is great. Yeah, we were really excited about it. When when does that take effect? It actually is already in effect. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we'll get our rate increases. I think they will be finalized because it's a lot of work to decide where to put the money. Um, Finalized by the end of this year and then able to be invested from, they call it back billing from October. So we just, um, and we worked on a bunch of other projects, but those were really two of the stellar highlights of our legislative session. What are the benefits of being a member of the Oregon Council? Well, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, sadly, even though we have a lot of really wonderful things happening in Oregon, it's always been by the skin of our teeth and cobbling mm-hmm. things together mm-hmm. with what, what's the old term, bailing wire, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so we really want to continue to focus on creating a robust continuum so we can have the right service at the right time for all the people we serve. Um, and so that's what we will continue to strive for. There are some real gems 
of treatment in Oregon. And a lot of these have been on display here at the leadership conference. Mm -hmm. Talk about the conference and how this came together this year and, yeah. and what the emphasis has been. Sure. So one of the things that we found in the state is that we have a lot of resources for clinical training for the clinician. So there's some really great training out there through a variety of means, either through the county or through universities or through different organizations that provide kind of that clinical best practices training. But what we found that we didn't really have so much was all that support to sustain programs, to talk about operations, kind of boring, you know, the boring stuff <laughs> of running the business, right? But it's the really important stuff because it's what helps you deliver the mission, right? And so that really has been our focus with our leadership conferences to talk about policy, which is all that legislative work that we just talked about, but then to also bring really good value and expertise and sharing of ideas amongst our members about how to m better and more efficiently run their program so they can do more of their mission-oriented work. So we had a great panel that talked about our, um, and you hosted it. Thank you so much. It was well, wonderful. I love doing it. Yeah, whole family treatment, which is just so dear to my heart, and really working with families from little children all mm -hmm. the way to couples, learning how to co-parent together in their early recovery and sharing those practices. We also do a lot of presentations on um, research on how to run like a um, today M. TM, they're a national research company. They worked with one of our members, Columbia Care, and they helped them devise a way that you could get same-day access to their outpatient center. And they actually monitor the progress on that and how to help people get in the door when they're ready to be in the door. And so they don't have to wait. So those are the kinds of innovations and things we talk about. And of course, we always are developing our policy for the next long session. Of course, of course. Uh, th this morning, the yeah. conference opened with uh, Cliff Walters from the Walters Family Foundation. Yeah. What a great guy. Yeah, and, he is amazing. And, and you work well with that foundation. You yeah, so how I met Cliff is I've worked at many different um, parts of the system. Um, I was a clinician, and I also did addictions treatment um, back in the day. And then I also was program manager, and then I was a executive director of an organization. That's actually how I met Cliff, is I was doing work with um, families that were reunifying, so perhaps their child was removed because maybe mm -hmm. mom or dad had an addiction and child got into the child welfare system. And so that agency, we worked on reunification work and helping stabilize children, getting into a home and out of the system. And so we met Cliff there. He is the Walters Family Foundation, which is just amazing because kind of going back to our mission of mm -hmm. the annual conference and the resource that we want to provide, a lot of foundations just fund direct services. Well, that's great, and it's very needed. Very few actually fund the part of the agency that helps the agency be self-sustaining. And so the Walters Family Foundation is really strong on teaching leadership skills, looking at your operations and how to make you more efficient, and actually even funding for our nonprofits their fund development uh, activities so that they can really reach out and make larger community change through volunteerism and donation and um, really awareness around stigma, I think. Mm. So he's just been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, he did a great job. He, he, so they're one of your partner organizations? Um, no, they're not a preferred partner yet. Mm. That's a little more formal. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have so many different kinds of partnerships, but yeah, I would love to have Cliff, and um, and he's a, a good, good friend. He's and a good guy. A, and, and really has a heart for all of our missions and, and everything that we do. You have 42 organizations that are members. There are certainly a lot more than 42 organizations in the state of Oregon. There is. You've got to be recruiting them, I right? I am. <laughs> Every day. 
<laughs> so, and what's nice about this uh, annual conference is it's actually open to non-members. We have a learning collaborative that we're partnering with our Oregon Health Authority on for opioid, a federal opioid grant. I'll keep it short. It's mm-hmm. got a ridiculously long name, like many things federal. <laughs> uh, we actually, that learning collaborative has many of our members. It also has folks that are providers that are not our members. And so we want to provide opportunity for the whole continuum of care. Of course, many things we do as an association are for members only. But this event in particular is open to non-members, and it does help us recruit, I'll be honest. <laughs> Heather Jeffress is joining us. Yeah. She's the executive director of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health, and a, a great Great conference that's that's going on down here, and I imagine you'll pretty soon be starting planning for next year. We will. So we start working the day after we're done, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the way it goes for most conferences. What do you see, Heather, going forward as the challenges in the field, in particular in Oregon? Well, I think, as we mentioned earlier, access is always yeah. a challenge, and, and with that is our workforce. And then also is really a long history of underfunding, um, which it will be, mm. you know, we're not unique in that, in right, that struggle. Right. Um, and so those are the, really some of the large issues that we will continue to work on at many levels, both through education, training, and advocacy and policy. Advocacy is so important, and it's something that, and you and I spoke about this last night at the reception, it's something everyone can do. Yes, yes. And so I think, and that's where we have seen our greatest success as a new association. We are member-driven, and our members are integral to any success that we have. We, um, I just, it was so impressive in our first year our first ever day at the Capitol, basically a lobby day, right? Mm. We had 110 attendees. Wow, for the first time? The first time. And the months before that, they were amazing. They wrote letters. Ah. They invited legislators to do site visits. That's great. They did tours. Um, There was many months of preparation, you know, well, not many, okay, three or four, but that's a long time, almost half a year uh, of preparation before we had the actual full event um, that went into building those relationships to help really our legislators, you know, they're busy people. They have so many things on their plate and they're not... Everybody wants something from them. And everybody wants something from them. And so it's really about building that rapport and bringing your board members... Relationships. That's right. You're right. And it's all about the relationship and, and really encouraging our board members to come, our program alumni to share their amazing stories of recovery and the staff that are there working every day. And so we had a lovely mix of people that just worked really hard to move forward those. And and people uh, telling their story, how does that work? So um, what we will do, many of our members have really robust alumni programs. And so part of that is um, talking about and teaching how to tell your story. And and how do you do that to focus on the success? And we all know the, the, the sadness and the hard work and all that, but the joy of having the miracles. That's right, the miracles. And so we really encourage them to brag on themselves. Brag, brag, brag. Talk about the miracle that's you and really tell the story because um, it's so important for people to understand and for them to feel invested. Recovery is as recovery does. Uh, Heather Jeffers has uh, been joining us, Executive Director of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. Their website, if you want to find out more, is ocbh.org. And this conference has been exceptional. And again, I thank you for inviting us down. Oh, thank you so much for coming. It's just amazing. It's great. Heather, thank you very much. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more from the conference after this short time out. If you talk and they will hear you. We 
all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We welcome you back to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week. Two hours a night talking about addiction, talking about recovery. And we are on the road broadcasting from the annual leadership conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health in beautiful Sun River, Oregon. The Sun River Resort, wow, it's great. I enjoy coming to new conferences because I get to meet new people and talk about new programs. Jake Spavins is joining us. He's from the Willamette Valley Dads Program. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, he was on a panel that I had the pleasure to moderate this morning. Jake, welcome to Recovery Coast coast. Thank you so much, Neil. Tell us about the DADS program. I know you talked during the panel, but to our audience, you've got an absolutely amazing program. In 2015, Willamette family recognized a need in our community to provide a place for fathers to have their children while they do treatment. So what we did is we opened a house where there are five dads living with their kids, either full-time or part-time, and they're doing the day-to-day care. You know, they're changing the diapers, they're getting the kids to the to the preschools, to the head starts, to the schools. They're with their kids, um, and at the same time, they're working treatment and they're living recovery. And so it's an amazing opportunity for these dads and for these kids to have an opportunity to just to live life in a different way. Jake, are there many programs like this around the country? Unfortunately, Neil, they're not. There's only 15 programs nationwide. Really? O- Oregon's pretty fortunate because we do actually have a fair amount of programs. We have one in Medford, obviously, and there's one in Portland, and there's another one out in Oregon. So we have four dads programs here in the state, but only 15 nationwide, yeah. And I see that you have five dads. Yes. The need is so much greater. The need is definitely greater. You know, I try to work with what I've got, and I try to make the best of it, but it's difficult. Our program is six to nine months, so when a dad's in there, they're in there for a while, and unfortunately, there's some dads that kind of miss that window. We just try to do the best that we can. Obviously, there is a huge need for it. And, you know, to me, it's not just about changing families and, you know, changing people's hearts and minds, but I'm trying to change some systems here. We're trying to change the way that some of the the ways things are done in Lane County um, and that dads are given more opportunities. And we've already seen a pretty significant cultural shift through my work and through the work of other people in our community that dads are definitely getting more opportunities. They're having their children placed with them, and we're keeping these kids out of foster care. And that's really what this is about. This is about keeping families together, keeping kids with their parents. You know, I have a saying that, you know, children need their parents. They need their dad. They need their mom. Our whole focus of Willamette family is to keep these parents together. We don't want these kids to go into care. We want these kids to be with their parents. Obviously, we want their parents to be safe, to be sober. And I believe that when provided with opportunity, moms and dads, they step up. 
Mm. Uh, when did the program start? And, and tell me about the early beginnings. So we opened the program in 2015, and it was, uh, you know, it was a slow, it was a slow go. We had one dad to start, and then eventually we had all five. And um, the youngest kid that was there, I believe, was two years old, and then the oldest kid for that first group, I believe, was six. And it was quite an experience of these guys kind of learning how to live together. You know, there's a real challenge in living community. And, and I have a couple of other little quirks. I, uh, I, don't lo- I have a saying where I don't, uh, I don't lock up the thermostats of the world. And what I mean by that is these dads have to learn to navigate life. And they got to learn to get along with someone that wants it 59 and somebody that wants it 72. And they got to figure out when they're living at this house how they're going to navigate that because we're a safe environment with staff support, with systems in place to help them kind of navigate that stuff. And so for me, it's about them learning how to navigate life sober. And, and that means sometimes finding compromise and negotiation. I also say sometimes you got to learn to deal with the difficult people of the world. Sometimes you're sharing space with somebody you don't get along with, but you got to figure out a way to make that work. And better they do it in our program than having to do it later. They have so much to learn, so much to do, to learn to live in community. Yes. They have to learn about being in recovery. Absolutely. And they have to learn how to be a dad. Yeah. There's no manual. No. No, these guys are these guys are learning on the fly. And there's a lot of trial and error. You know, I, I remember um, working with one dad. He'd never changed a diaper before. And got a doll, and I'm, I'm training him and how to change a diaper and how to do it. I remember another one. He, uh, you know, he'd never had an overnight with his daughter. She's almost two years old and she had never spent an overnight with him. And we placed his daughter with him. And I remember I called him that night and I said, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm terrified and I'm scared and I'm so thankful. I'm so happy. And I just, you know, you, you have those moments and it's like, oh, it's just, I mean, that's why we do what we do is for those moments. And, And I see this dad. And, you know, his kid recently has got pneumonia and he's had to take her to urgent care and he's had to get her to the emergency room and get her on the antibiotics and do all of that. Real life. Real life stuff, (laughs) right? That's, That's what being a dad is. I always tell these guys it's a grind. It's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you get up, you take care of your kid, you do the best you can today. And then guess what? You get up, you take care of your kid, you do the best you can tomorrow. Mm. But here's the thing. If you're sober today. That's all that matters because if you're sober, you can do anything. If you're sober, you can handle what comes next. You know, his daughter had pneumonia. It was scary. It was really stressful for him, but he stayed sober. He leaned on his supports, his community and his, and his connections. He reached out to me multiple times. We walked him through it. The child development center supported him. You know, we, we got his daughter the medication. He, he did what he needed to do. She's doing well. She's back in CDC. He's back in treatment. And you know, they're just continuing to move forward, and that's really what it's about. And and what about the the ex-wife or the wife mm-hmm. dealing with that as well? It's one of those things where it, every family has their own unique kind of situation. Um, sometimes what we do is we have moms come to the house and spend time with the kid and the dad at the house. Sometimes my staff helps facilitate visits with moms and kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes moms and dads, they, they share custody of kids. You know, sometimes as couples, sometimes as co-parents. Again, it really just depends on what that family wants. Our hope and our kind of vision at Willamette Family is we want to help them be the family they want to be. And if they can do it, then we want to support them. If they need a little bit of help every now and then, that's exactly why we're here. You have a sobriety requirement going into your program. I do. 
I do. They, they need to be sober for 30 days, and they need to meet a certain level of treatment. And I work really closely with them. They call me. You know, because of the nature of the small program, I'm able to work very intimately with these guys, and I start doing it as soon as they call me. And I try to get them into residential treatment if that's what they need, or from outpatient into our intensive day treatment. But, you know, it's about getting them to where they need to be and putting them in the situations where they can be successful. But I tell them this, and I tell all the dads I work with, this is about you having to come first. You've got to take care of yourself. And you're trading maybe a little time with your kids now for a whole lot of time later. And that's sometimes what the equation has to be. Jake Spavin's joining us. He runs the Willamette Valley Dads program. What if there's more than one child? We bring them in. The most I've had is we've had two twins. So they're two four-year-old oh, twins. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, it was, it was a little rambunctious. And then we had a nine-year-old daughter, and she would come every other weekend or, or on the weekends. I will try to be as flexible as I can. Unfortunately, as I said, you know, mm -hmm. we are kind of a limited program. But if we've got multiple kids, then we're going to bring in multiple kids. And I'll work with kids, as I said, from just about any age. You know, we're going to be potentially having a very young child place with a dad up to a teenager. I had a teenager come and visit very consistently on the weekends with the dad, and man, it, it was so amazing to see that teenager settle in and feel safe with their dad and, and really work through that kind of healing process, and that dad really support that, support that teenager. It was a really unique situation because the teenager was transgender, and dad was working through his own stuff, and the teen was working through her stuff, and it was, um, it was a really awesome experience to kind of help this family figure out how to navigate these these real challenges and one of the things that the dad really worked through you know is, is grieving the identity of what he thought his son was going to be and accepting more about that he was going to have a daughter yeah yeah right wow it was really powerful and we had some amazing conversations I'll around bet. it and he was like i realized that this is what my this is what my daughter needs of me and it hurts me to lose a son but it also makes me very joyous and happy to gain a daughter. Oh, my goodness. The Willamette Valley Dads Program, Jake Spavins is the director of that. When you look at, at the program and, and the men coming in and, and the kids, talk about the adjustment that the children have to make yeah. to be in this different place. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it is a big adjustment for the kids. They're around other children, sometimes different ages, sometimes developments are not always what they need to be because of certain situations and things. So a lot of times we got kids in there that are pretty nonverbal, so there can be biting, there can be fighting. We do our best to model the right way to be, and mm. we do our best to create a safe environment for the kids, we try to let them explore. We're really fortunate. We're by some amazing parks. And so, you know, always encouraging the dads to go out there. Uh, we were fortunate. Somebody donated a basketball hoop, so the kids ah, go out and they shoot. We've just got, the kids. I mean, uh, Jake wouldn't be out there at no, the basketball no, hoop, Jake, No, Jake's, Jake's been out there a few times <laughs> with some of the guys. Though the rules are I, I can't play. I can just shoot around with them. Uh, you know, got to have those professional boundaries. Uh, but, no, the, the kids really do a phenomenal job. And what I've really noticed is the kids adjust really quickly. Mm. The routines and the schedule. You know, what's really awesome is to watch multiple dads cook meals together and kind of create this community together where they're looking out for each other and supporting each other, shopping together, meal planning together, mm. going to meetings with their kids together. It is really amazing. And you see the kids kind of create relationships with these other dads and get really close to them. And, mm. and it's really special. You know, I always have a belief that, that love is not finite. Love is infinite. Yeah. And there's never enough love. And so to see these kids just surrounded by all of this love, it is really, really special. 
Tell me about the neighborhood. What do people think of what you're doing, of this program? They love it. We are next to a church, and mm. the church has been so uh -huh. supportive. And in fact, some of the dads have even gone to the church and become members of the church. Oh my. And we had a situation where one of the members of the church became a child care option for one of the dads. Oh, so, oh. you know, um, and one of the other... There are no coincidences. There are God incidents. Exactly. You know, um, we have a saying at Men's Residential Treatment. It's called trust the process. Yeah. And very much, um, I believe that with all the fiber of my being and with everything that I do. So, yeah, it, it's amazing. The neighborhood's been great. And one of the really nice things about our location is we're only three blocks or so, maybe four blocks away from our women's residential facility where our child development center is. So the dads get up in the morning, they all eat breakfast together, and then they walk as a pack mm. with their kids in strollers <laughs> to the child development center and they all they drop their kids off they get their shuttle to go to treatment they come back from treatment they pick up their kids and in the afternoon you see them all walking together with the kids sometimes being held you know carried yeah. sometimes in with you know holding hands sometimes being pushed in a stroller it's really special to see. And obviously, we also have moms that will walk with them as well And you know, because moms are in treatment with them too. And so it does kind of create this community of parents. Parade of recovery. Right, that is really supporting each other in that process. And it's really special to see. And every time I, I, I see dads kind of walking in that pack, and I, I know how special that is and how unique that is because – Five years ago, that was not always the case. Yeah, yeah. Jake Spavins joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. What's your website? It is WFTS.org, so Willamette Family Treatments' right. uh, If anyone wants to check out Willamette Family, they could just do a, a quick search, and we have a very good web presence. They can also do some searches on YouTube. There's some wonderful videos oh, about the sure. Willamette I Family. I ask you about that. The Willamette Family Dads Program. There's actually like a 10-minute video. What's really incredible is that two of the gentlemen in the video both became my co-workers. Oh, no kidding. I got to work with them both, and they were both counselors for guys in the dad's program. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it it's pretty special when stuff like that happens. <sighs> and you stay in contact, and, you know, one of the nice things – about it is, you know, I'll still get calls from them about questions about their kids or life or whatever. Once you're in someone's life like that, you're always in someone's life. The bright side of addiction is recovery. You certainly embody that, Jake. Absolutely. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Neil. We're going to take a short time out. Back with more right after this on Recovery Coast to Coast. All right. Thank you. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. 
Welcome back once again, Neil Scott. We are down here in Oregon. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful place. We're at the Sun River Resort. We're broadcasting from the annual leadership conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. And I always love coming to new conferences because I meet a lot of new people. I learn about a lot of new programs. There's so many good treatment programs available. And when I get to meet someone and, and, and find out what's going on, I just absolutely love it. And Dan Goulet is nice enough to stop by our broadcast location. He's the clinical outreach specialist at the Oregon Trail Recovery. That's got a great name, Oregon Trail, Finding a Path to Recovery. And Dan, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Tell us about your treatment center. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, well, we uh, we have a detox house. It's a residential house. That would be the first stop on the road to recovery. That's the very first stop. <laughs> You're correct. It's the detox house. It's 11 beds in a residential community. It has all the amenities of home, three square meals a day, 24-7 licensed professionals in there all the time. We can handle pregnant women with opioid use disorder. Oh, really? People with diabetes. Yeah, we can handle a lot of issues. And, and how, uh, how many beds? Eleven. Eleven beds. Mm-hmm. And men and women? Men and women, yes. How is it having them together? Well, they're in separate rooms. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and it's monitored pretty well, too. I mean, it, we know what's going on all the time. Where do these folks come from? They come from all over the country. We have people coming from California, Washington, uh, Texas. It's all over the country, and it's a 3.7 level of care detox place. So, you know, like I say, they're going to be looked at for 24-7. It's also medical. It's a medical-assisted treatment for those that need to come off of, you know, such things as like heroin and whatnot. We use Suboxone, and, and we taper them off bit by bit by bit. And usually it's about seven days they're in there. Then they go to a residential treatment inpatient, and we don't do that, but we refer out. And then you we, don't do inpatient. We don't do residential inpatient. No, we refer out with that, and then we try and get them back because, as you know, after 30 days, your journey's not done. No, no, <laughs> just barely beginning. Exactly. Yeah. And we have a program where we come back with some day treatments. We have transitional housing, so when they do come back, if they don't have a place to go or they're previous home environment wasn't the most ideal place. We do offer transitional housing. Is that a challenge to find transitional housing? No, not with our owners. You know, Ben and Jen Randolph, they uh, they do a good job. They have about five I thought you were going to say Ben and Jerry. I thought, God, it's the ice cream people. <laughs> yeah, it's free ice cream everywhere, <laughs> every Sunday. No, but yeah, they have, uh, they have lots of houses out there. And it's just a matter of trying to find out what we want to do with the houses. Some you know, they may want to do sober living. They may want to do maybe just a, a men's house only or a woman's house only. So it all depends. Oregon Trail recovery. I like the idea of the Oregon Trail because it's like yeah. when you think about it, yeah. you know, people got on the Oregon Trail, all kinds of problems, right? That's, Dysentery, yes. struggles just to survive, yeah. yep. you know, but when they finally got to their destination, they... Uh, you know, they, they put roots down and, and got better. And sometimes you have dysentery in treatments. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, it, stuff happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> stuff happens, Dan. Yeah. Dan Goulet is joining us. He's the client outreach specialist. What does your job entail? Uh, what my job is, I'm, I would say, I would call myself a, a referral marketer. So what I do is I go around to various places that um, can reach out to people that are in trouble and need recovery. Um, I will go anywhere from hospitals, um, emergency rooms, other referral companies that um, are mm. looking for treatments. We'll take, um, we get referred to a lot from other areas um, with other residential in treatment um, places. And what I try and do is I reach out to like Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, I'll reach out to Clackamas County Sheriff, um, places like that. To, you know, instead of maybe putting people in jail and, you know, 
see yeah. them out the back end. We try and get them at the front end before they can go right. to jail, and maybe we can work on them. So if somebody wants to go into a residential program and they are not fit because they need detox, yours would be a great place to go. Absolutely, yes. And, and, yeah. uh, and w how long is the detox, proce detox process? Usually about seven days. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to do detox the right way, it's probably in, it would last a lot longer than that. But at the very least, you want to get them, you know, out of the system a little bit, uh, get them into in-treatment, usually 30 to 60 days somewhere mm -hmm. else, and then come back with us for um, PHP, which is partial hospitalization. We call it day treatment and intensive outpatient as well. And that process can go, you know, yeah. you know, six months to a year or more. Yeah. Again, it's it's a lifelong process. And, yeah. you know, that's the thing I try to keep hammering home is the fact that, you know, treatment is just the first step. It's not just 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. It is a lifelong process. And, yeah. you know, I don't use the term aftercare because it, th that seems to signify a break and, and it's up to the person to go on. The reality mm -hmm. is it's continuing care. Care. Right. Uh, and it's a disease that has to be managed, much yes. like diabetes. You manage it in the correct way, you're going to be fine. You're going to be in long-term recovery. If you don't, you're going to run into problems. Right. Yeah. Yes. What do you see as some of the challenges right now in the field and in terms of getting people to uh, to get into detox? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. One of the biggest ones I see, is, and I don't know if this is an accurate stat, but I read where like Oregon is like close to number one in the country with opioid problems with individuals. Yeah. And then we're like number 50th when it comes to treatment centers. And, ac and access to treatment. Exactly. It's just, it's just terrible. And, you know, it breaks my heart when I, I, I think of people who finally say, okay, I'm going to finally do something about my addiction. And there's no bed available. Right. And they say, well, you, can you come right. back in, you know, 38 days? 38 right. days for a practicing addict? Right. <laughs> 38 minutes maybe, but that's uh, even that may be stretching it out. Right. And so, if, if we don't have beds available also, we have a great referral system yeah. that we can go out with other people. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'll go to – I mean, I think it's all top-of-mind awareness too. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I'll talk with people and, there's, and they'll be, oh, yeah, this is great. We really we, we want to do this. We want to go ahead. And we, we refer all of our detox people out to you. But, you know, you, you look at the uh, – the reality of it, and they really don't. Like in the emergency room, you know, they're just trying to deal, get through the day and get through stuff. But yeah. all they have to do is call us and we'll pick them up right there at the emergency room and we'll transport them over to our houses. Wow, full yeah. service. Full service, door yeah. Door to door. They don't have to do anything other than have the, uh, the social worker call me and uh, we'll go ahead and get a... A car out there and bring them back. Safe and comfortable medically assisted detox. Uh, and that's 24-hour nursing care, um, a, a great medical staff, I'm sure. Absolutely. Tell me about your medical staff. Yeah, well, we have a medical director out there, Dr. Claus, and we have a physician's assistant. Dr. Claus. Yeah, well, K-L-O-S. I, I don't know <laughs> if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Claus. Yeah. And, okay, uh, I was going to give a Santa joke, but I'll go ahead and pass on that. Claus, <laughs> no. Claus. Okay. No, but yeah, and, we, and a lot of the, they're all licensed, you know, licensed nurses, licensed professionals out there, 24/7. Yeah, it, it works real well. We get a lot of good reviews, a lot of people, but you know, the best review is like if they just stay in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that is the best review. Recovery yeah. is as recovery does. Right. Dan has been nice enough to stop by. Dan Goulet, he's a client uh, outreach specialist. Uh, the website is pcdetox.com. They are located. Uh, in Milwaukee and not Wisconsin, the real Milwaukee, <laughs> right. which is Milwaukee, Oregon. Yeah. Dan, thanks so much for stopping by the, the broadcast location and, and telling folks about your program. Thanks, I, Neil. I appreciate it very much. Okay, Dan Goulet, nice enough to join us. We're going to take a short time out. We'll be back with a lot more here in Oregon. Stay with us. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. 
I grew up on tour with my parents. Kind of different, but we bonded over music just like other families do over sports, camping, or other interests. And we talked. Little everyday conversations from silly to serious that built a foundation over time. Honest conversations, like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. And I was so grateful that you and mom had become these sober, stable people who were always there for me. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now, that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs, whether it's music or anything else. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Listen. All it took was someone who would insist that I just try. Suddenly everything was turned around because they judge you. You tell them, I don't need this. No one is going to understand. Unless they've been through it, how can they? Then one day you realize, you feel so hopeless. I need help. I need help. You feel so hopeless. Then one day you realize... Unless they've been through it, how can they understand? I don't need this. No one's going to judge me. Suddenly everything was turned around because they insist that I just try. All it took was someone who would just... Listen. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction, talking about recovery. And we are at a great conference. It's down here at the beautiful Sun River Resort, which is in Oregon. And the organization that's putting on the conference is the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health, a great organization. They have 42 members from around the state of Oregon. And they bring together professionals once a year in a leadership conference. And one of the leaders is Dawn Merrigan. She's clinical director of Transformations Wellness Center. I love that name, Transformations. We all are transforming in one way or another. Transformations Wellness Center, it's down in Klamath Falls. Dawn, welcome to the program. Give us a little background on, on Dawn. Thank you, Neil. I've been working in substance abuse treatment for about two and a half decades. Oh, and uh, A newcomer. A newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> I got there through the scenic route, and, uh. Uh, and I, I love what I do, and I love working with folks and helping newcoming professionals to our arena learn mm -hmm. to develop skills to work with people coming in for help. What does a clinical director do at Transformations? Well, I oversee both a residential program and an outpatient clinic. Tell me about the program itself. How many beds and how many programs? Our residential program is an adult residential program for uh, men and women, 18 and older. And we have 12 beds for women and 12 beds for men. We are considered a long-term residential program, which is anything over 60. We typically see people from about three to four months. On average? Well, it's, it's certainly been proven that the longer a person is in treatment, the better the opportunity to have lifelong recovery. Absolutely. You know, it takes what it takes. You know, I get so upset with treatment programs that will treat someone for 30 days, and the family and the individual think, well, you know, 
I'm fixed now. It's, took the it's cure. Over. <laughs> took the cure. You know, I got it done, and now I'm going to move on. Yep. That's not the case. Right. It's a long-term process. It's a long-term and, term and process. And the residential part of it is just the basic building block. So when people come into you, I assume they've been detoxed. Sometimes people will come into our program and they've been detoxed, and sometimes folks will come in and do their last little bit of hoorah mm-hmm. right in our driveway, and they end up being sent to detox and coming back to us. <laughs> in your driveway. <laughs> yeah, it takes what it takes. <laughs> it takes what it takes. At least they're in your driveway, yes. I guess. That's probably a good thing when all <laughs> said and done. How long has the program been in operation? We've been about 14 years in okay. the Klamath Basin. So you must have a pretty healthy alumni group. We do have an alumni group, pretty healthy. We also have a Facebook, and it's Transformations Wellness Center Facebook. And we have a lot of folks from not just in the Klamath Basin, but um, different counties throughout Oregon. So you have 12 beds for men and 12 for women? Yes. In the same building? We are in the same property. The women live in the main house where we uh, have our clinicians and our groups, and then the men live in what we lovingly refer to as the man cave. <laughs> <laughs> they don't try to sneak over into the women's uh, side? No. Uh. <laughs> they find the blind spots. <laughs> <laughs> the, again, the length of stay is w- whatever it takes. Yes. Whatever it takes. Yes, absolutely. What have, what have you learned in the time that you've been there? What I've seen since I started doing this work is that we have what's referred to as generational trauma, generational addiction. How do you and, break those cycles? Well, you know what I've noticed is, and I and I, I think it was you that said something earlier, um, it's the way that we preface things and the way that we look at things. What happened um, recently for me is I was getting ready for work, and it just struck me that what we're starting to see is generational recovery. Yeah. You know, we focus on recovery and, and wellness, and we have this tendency to strive toward that thing with which we put energy into and what we think about. When people get out of transformations, whether it's uh, four months, six months, nine months, whatever, do you follow them along? Are they still part of your family? They are still part of our family. You know, it's um, we have folks in in Klamath Falls, and we also have. I'll just I'll say this about Josephine County, which is of course not mm-hmm. Klamath County. We have an alumni group that came from Josephine County that goes back and talks about TWC accountability group. So they're taking what they're learning and and taking it back into their own communities. TWC, people throw out acronyms all the time. Obviously, that's Transformation yes. <laughs> uh, Wellness Center. Tell me about the staff at your program. I mentioned today in, in my presentation on the panel that you know people look at treatment centers, they look at the brick and mortar. It goes well beyond brick and mortar. It goes beyond into the soul of a treatment program, which is the staff. Yes. Tell me about your staff. Our staff consists of um, our maintenance person, our operations manager, our CEO, our intake coordinator, our billing person. Our the the hub of our organization is our residential assistants. Mm-hmm. They're just right in there on the front lines on a regular 24-hour basis. And then, of course, our clinical staff, being our certified counselors, our counselors and trainings mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a couple that are going into their master's program and and, uh, wow. and we also have our medical director who's also a prescriber for medicated assisted treatment which we're excited about never thought we would see the opioid crisis here oh. and and I'll be darned if it isn't just right here in our own backyard yep. 
in everybody's backyard. Everybody's that's, backyard. That's, that's the reality that America is dealing yeah. with right now. Yeah. And so what we look at is um, we've also um, been really fortunate to, to, to start looking at there's no wrong door for people to, to try to enter yeah, yeah. when they come in and so they can walk on off the street to our outpatient program they can be referred to our residential program we can we can set them up with peer support we can set them up with medical and dental services and and try to get them on the road to you wellness meet them where they are yes yeah so that's very very important where do most of your referrals come from don typically we're seeing a lot of folks come in through Department of Corrections, Department of mm. Human Services. We will also, maybe about 25% are going to come in off the streets because they're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. Can't go any further. Uh, Dawn Merrigan is joining us. She is the Clinical Director, Transformation Wellness Center. It's a great program down in Klamath Falls, Oregon. And that the website is Transformations wc.org and you can find out all the information there Dawn, thank you for stopping by our broadcast location thank and thank you for coming to this conference I hope you're getting a lot out of it thank you, I am and I appreciate you I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast If you talk and they will hear you Every single time Now we're getting killed Yeah, well Kyle's not here How come? Kicked off the team Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. You've heard from four incredible leaders in the treatment of addiction and mental health here in the state of Oregon, and now, as promised, we're going to close out the first hour with a special song by John Batdorf, who lives just down the road in Redmond, Oregon, from his award-winning CD, Soundtracks to Recovery. The connection here, Oregon and family treatment. The song is about a mom who returns home following residential treatment, and her family not sure of what she'll be like, how much she's changed, and what to expect. You can find out more about this unique music project, Soundtracks to Recovery, at 2, the number 2, recovery.net. Here's John Batdorf with Mama's Coming Home Tonight. Make your beds and I'll take out the trash. Find that disc of Crosby, Stills, and Nash Put the flowers in the vase Get those books back in the case Clean this place up, Mama's coming home tonight Feed the cat and give the dog a bath What's that joke that always made her laugh? Mama's coming home tonight. That she. Change- 
listening to part one of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from iHeartMedia Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on AM 850 KHHO in the Seattle-Tacoma area, and heard nationally in streaming audio at recoverycoasttocoast.org. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle. Welcome to hour number two of Recovery Coast to Coast. We are broadcasting from the annual Leadership Conference, and it's a great one too, by the way, of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health at the beautiful Sun River Lodge. Now, in this hour, we're going to visit with Edith Bumgard. She heads up the Moms Project at Willamette Valley Treatment Services. She'll give us a look inside a program that gives life and love back to women who are struggling to find a pathway into recovery. Then we'll meet Kelly Butler. Kelly's an interesting person. She's a medical student from Southern California who is taking a year out of her life to help people fighting on the front lines of the opioid crisis. Kelly is an opioid response program associate over in eastern Washington at the Greater Oregon Behavioral Health Center. Then we'll find out what's going on in Corvallis as Tanya Pritt 
director of Milestones Recovery Program, talks about her very unique program. She's been helping individuals and families find recovery for over 26 years. She's a leader and a legend in the Oregon treatment community. Then we'll learn about the OnTrack program in Medford, Oregon. And we'll say hello to Renee Reedy. She's their program manager. It's a very unique program for moms and soon-to-be moms. We'll also meet Todd Jeter, a man who fought his way out of addiction, found recovery in Florida at the Salvation Army following a stint in prison, where at one point he spent 47 days in solitary confinement. He maintained and enhanced his recovery, got a good education, and is now the Director of Residential Services at Central Oregon Concern in Portland, running the Letty Owings Center for Women. He is proof positive that the bright side of addiction is indeed recovery. And we will wrap up our visit to the Leadership Conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health, Looking for Work literally, with an all-star guest. Kimberly Olson is Director of Business Development for All-Star Labor and Staffing, a marvelous company that works with people in recovery who are trying to find work. But first, we'll take a brief timeout, and when we return, we'll find out all about that mom's program down at the Willamette Valley Treatment Services. Please stay with us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome you back to Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, we are coming to you from the beautiful Sun River Resort in Oregon, broadcasting from the annual Leadership Conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. It's a great statewide organization, 42 members and a number of partners and a lot of sponsors. And this year they're having their annual Leadership Conference, and they were nice enough to invite us to come down here and, and to meet with some of the people. And to for me, I was asked to uh, moderate a panel about women and, and children and dads and children and family treatment. And that's such a big barrier uh, to people getting into treatment. And the barriers are being broken down in Oregon. And one of the places is at Willamette Valley Treatment Services. Edith Baumgart is joining us. She heads up the women's program down there. Works with a lot of moms. You've been doing it a long time, haven't you, Edith? I sure have now. Been enjoying my work. When did you start and what led you to this kind of work? I'm always interested in that. Yeah, so I started at Willamette Family in 1996. Quite honestly, I fell into the work. My good friend was on staff there, and she invited me to uh, come check it out and started working there, and I've never looked back. Tell me about the Moms Program. Gosh, the Moms Program is an incredible opportunity for moms to have a co-residency environment where they can live in residential substance abuse treatment with their children who are birthed to six years of age. So the oldest is six years of age. It is. Currently, that is the cap of the state license that's provided to I was programs. Ask, that is a state requirement. That is. Yeah. How has that worked out? 
That's worked out fabulous. We are, well, in the sense of the kids that are younger, the barrier is the older kids. I do want to acknowledge that, mm -hmm. right? We need more programs that are able to accommodate the older children in the same way. fake IDs? No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> Yeah. We manage it at our agency through case-managed housing mm -hmm. and really great wraparound support so that we can support the moms with older children um, when they qualify for a lower level of care so that they're not left out. Cause that's a big Where do the moms come from, Edith? They really, they come from all over, but primarily in Lane County. Um, they live there somewhere in our community. It's a pretty big um, area. And so, but we also bring other moms from across the state, depending on the need. How has the integration been of all of the families? Yeah, it, you know, it's not always smooth, I won't lie. Yeah. It's Sometimes it's rocky. But our whole goal is family preservation and reunification, really looking at every opportunity to, first of all, prevent a child having to be separated from yeah. their parent. And then secondary, fast, safe reunification when the child is separated. And so we partner, we have a number of community partners in Lane County. We're very collaborative with to um, make it as flow as smooth as possible. In our women's residential center, part of the beds are for moms and kids, and part of them are for patients or clients who do not necessarily have children living with them. Many of them have children, but they don't live on site, so they co-reside in the facility together. How many beds for moms and kids? We are currently running about 16 beds for moms and kids. And they stay how long? You know, it really averages um, between about 30 to five months. Mm -hmm. They Sometimes they stay longer. It's all uh, based on a criteria called ASAM, which is sure. determines their treatment. When they leave Willamette Valley, where do they go? Uh, many of them go into case-managed housing, which we are fortunate to have um, quite a bit of in Lane County. There is a housing crisis everywhere, and so that's not an exception in Lane County. So... Um, some of them will live in recovery houses, they'll live in temporary shelter where they're well supported while they're looking for permanent housing. What is the, the treatment program for the women as they're going through? Yeah, so it's a, actually it's a pretty rigorous treatment mm. uh, program. They're up at 7 in the morning. They're getting their day started. They go into breakfast. They have really clear expectations about uh, the amount of treatment contact they need to have throughout the week. Quite honestly, on average, they're they're probably participating in very structured activities 30 hours a week. And in addition mm -hmm. to that, they have um, recovery-oriented activities that they're doing. They're doing intensive parenting classes, attending pro-social activities such as 12-step meetings, just really contributing as well to the program in positive, meaningful ways. Edith Baumgart is joining us. She heads up the women's program at Willamette Valley Treatment Services. What happens when there's a relapse? You know, we really are wrap our hands around the women and or the men, depending on who it is. We examine what exactly has occurred. We consider all the options that exist for them and really handle it in a strength-based, supportive manner to determine what is necessary to take place. 
What about other family members besides the, the, the husband or, or the children? You must do something for the entire family. We sure do. We have a fairly uh, pretty robust family group is what it's called. So family members are invited into the facility to, one, really learn about, right? There's an educational model where you're learning about what treatment really means, what it looks like. And then there's also a piece where they're getting support. They're asking questions. They're um, talking about what they need to do to be supportive and what they need to do to maybe set a boundary, right? What's the next step for them after this? And so they're visiting. We have very open visiting where they're coming to see their loved one and engaging sometimes for the first time in a very long time Mm. with their loved one who's getting treatment. Mm. It is a long process. And what you're doing is just the beginning, but you're putting such solid building blocks in place that you're giving them the best chance possible to establish long-term recovery. Absolutely. Well, Lamont family as a whole is committed to that exact goal, Neil. When women come back, what is the reaction of the people who are in treatment to see people who've been there and are now experiencing long-term recovery? It is truthfully joyous. We really, the reason we call it Willamette Family is that extension of a family exists forever. We are really blessed to have Mm. an incredibly active alumni, I mean really truly active alumni group. We have a client advisory committee who truly, Neil, advises us. We take their feedback. We listen listen to them. Oh my goodness. We ask them questions. Mm. We ask them, we provide them options and they help us make selections and they feel empowered and we trust them. They are who knows best. What about sharing that story, that success, the many successes at Willamette Valley with the community? Absolutely. How do you do do that? How do you let people know that you're doing the good work that you're doing? Yeah, we have a very robust website that contains a lot of um, amazing stories, past success of current people who are in um, the program. And then we're doing a lot of inviting clients to be able to speak. We don't pressure them ever, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. we invite them to share to come back to mentor the women in our program, to share at that level, as well as at a community level. We are often invited in our community to share about our program. And every time we are, we come to um, our programs and we invite them if they're interested to come share about their experience, strength, and hope, because we need people to know that recovery is possible. Edith Bumgart joining us, heading up the women's program at Willamette Valley Treatment Services. What do you need now that you don't have? Oh, gosh. We really need people to commit to helping establish affordable, Mm -hmm. long-term, safe housing for that as an expansion. That's a giant piece. Really committing to stabilized funding that expands these programs, that supports them, and really embraces the vision that we all have for recovery. What is the big barrier for people getting into treatment, for women getting into treatment with children? Quite honestly, it's parenting programs. It's child care places Mm -hmm. where they can have their children and be safe. We're blessed to have an on-site, licensed, high-quality child development center available to the families in our program. 
and that removes the barrier in significant ways because even if their child doesn't live on site with them, they might be attending the child development center where they get to see them because the child lives with the dad or with a family member, and it's fabulous. Outstanding. You're doing great work. I wish you continued success. Thank you. Edith Bumgard heading up the women's program at Willamette Valley Treatment Services. I'm Neil Scott. We're down here at Sun River Lodge. It's a beautiful conference facility and and an even better conference that's going on right now. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more right after this. She has always been your baby. But when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. And from time to time, we go out on the road, we go to various conferences, and we try to pick and choose and and find the really good ones. And this one that we are at is a really good one. It's in Oregon. Uh, It is sponsored by the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health, and it's in a beautiful facility at the uh, gorgeous Sun River Resort. I met a lot of people down here and uh, a lot of programs that I was unfamiliar with, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of it for me to be able to share with you, the audience, some of the different programs around the country. GOBI is a program that I am not familiar with, but we're going to learn about it together. Kelly Butler is joining us. She is the Opioid Response Program Associate, and uh, she joins us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Nice to see you, Kelly. We, We talked a little earlier, and I wanted to be sure that you got over here to the broadcast location to talk about uh, what you're doing with GOBI. What is GOBI? What does it stand for? What does it mean? So first, thanks for having me, Neil. Um, So GOBI stands for Greater Oregon Behavioral Health Incorporated. So Uh, G-O-B-H-I. Oh, the acronyms. Oh, the acronyms. The good old alphabet soup. And we are one of two companies that are running the Eastern Oregon Coordinated Care Organization. Mm -hmm. So Oregon Healthcare is organized into CCOs Mm -hmm. that basically are responsible for coordinating the care of individuals within a given geographic area. We are one of those folks in Eastern Oregon. So we oversee administration of Oregon Health Plan. We deliver a whole host of social services. We work with youth. We work with elders. And in my job, we're working around addiction. My job is really centered around managing two federal grants that we got. One for medication-assisted treatment, supporting clinical entities that actually want to treat folks. And one around naloxone. So how do you catch people after an acute overdose crisis? How do you make sure that service level providers like law enforcement, first responders, education even, are trained in how to handle an overdose? And that's my job. Are they being trained? Is it sufficient? Absolutely. I think people are actually really open in ways that they hadn't been before. The concept of harm reduction is a is a new kind of sexy topic, if you will, yeah. and not everyone has really molded to understanding its yeah. efficacy. Yeah. But people do understand the efficacy of saving a life. Yeah, and they do understand the deaths that are happening. Exactly. It yeah. just takes one. Oh, my goodness. And if it's one close to you, it's doubly impactful. Exactly. So now we've got to do something because it affects me. 
you know, but it really affects all of us, and mm -hmm. we, we have to do that. So tell me about the federal grants and how programs can respond to that or apply to that or be a part of that. Yeah, so there's a number of sub-recipients across the state, yep. of which Gobi is one of them. Mm -hmm. We are specifically focused on Eastern Oregon, but it doesn't mean that we can't link people to services elsewhere. If people are interested in getting to know us, getting to understand more of our work, they can visit our website. It's gobi.org slash E-O-O-S. That stands for Eastern Oregon Opioid Solutions. And that's Gobi is G-O-B-H-I. Yes, sir. It, it's not, uh, I'm not even going to say anything else because <laughs> I don't want to confuse you. It's G-O-B-H-I. Uh-huh. org slash What have you learned, Kelly, working with this population? A lot. So I'm from Los Angeles, actually. I'm from a big city. Every, every ounce of my work has been in a big city. And as a medical student, I've only really treated urban populations. Well, let's back up and talk about your being a medical student. <laughs> that little detail, right? So I'm at UC Irvine in Southern California. I'm so you're taking in... kind of a sabbatical? Exactly. Actually, exactly. <laughs> Between my third and fourth year, which my third and last year of medical school, I would have been an intern right now oh. if I hadn't taken this time off. I'm working for Gobi in the interim. I've never worked in rural context before, ever. So to throw me in the middle of a town with population 600 is a very, very new concept. It's just like Los Angeles, only different. <laughs> it's just like maybe maybe one tiny neighborhood yeah, in, Los maybe. in Los Angeles. But to be thinking about, and it's not even just the individual towns, it's the entire culture of the region is pound for pound different. Yeah. yeah. Pound for pound. But it's been awesome. Yeah. And I've been randomly really welcomed, even as a 20-something-year-old black woman from Los Angeles. Randomly People are like, welcomed. Come on it. You yeah. know, I say random because everything that you hear about rural America doesn't make it seem like a 20-something-year-old woman of color would have been welcomed. Right, right. But I have been because I have something to offer. And we relate because it's like, well, people are dying, yeah. and I have a medication to keep them from dying, right? What's there to differ right. between us, right. right? What are the challenges going forth as far as the opioid crisis? Oh, a number of things. So I think the culture is shifting to understanding harm reduction and trauma-informed care is necessary and being able to treat opioid addiction and op opioid use disorder. I think as culture changes, then institutions change. As people change, institutions change. That's slow, though, right? People are just understanding that there is validity behind what harm reductionists and people in the street have been yelling about for years. I think also, and something that has been happening, is money, money is trickling in ways that it hadn't before. Mm. Trump's dollars are my grant dollars, right? And as much as I might want to say that some things are inefficient or inadequate, money's flowing, and it's actually touching communities. I think another issue that I've noticed is the distance between physical health and behavioral health. As much as we want to say that CCOs are closing the, uh, closing the gap, as much as we want to say that things are truly integrated, they're not because I don't think that the culture has wrapped around the idea of physical health and behavioral health being one But we're concept. moving in that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gobi even has a dedicated team to beha for behavioral health integration. Really? Yeah. And people are open to it. But it's slow, right? It's slow. Mm. And until we can be truly, truly integrated, people are still going to have to visit three different locations to get the same services that they yeah. would need yeah. under one roof. Yeah. And, and the fact that people are starting to embrace more harm reduction, you know, it's been around for a long time. Sure. And, it's, and it's been criticized severely in 12-step communities. Of course. 
oh, you know, if you can't be abstinent, you know, you're 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 still out there. Right. Harm reduction. Well, if I only beat my wife on weekends, I guess that's harm reduction, right? Right. And I shouldn't, you know, and and all of that. But now that we're in the crisis and people are dying minute by minute by minute, we got to put that crap behind us. I mean, naloxone is harm reduction. Yeah. It's the idea that we're going to reduce the or mitigate the harmful effects of your use until you can get into treatment, yeah, right? You yeah. can't be treated if you're dead. Yeah. And I think that people are finally understanding that there's some rationale behind this, yeah, right? Yeah. But again, it's slow. Rationale and science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello, right? hello. Randomized control trials, right? <laughs> we, have, we have a body of evidence that supports use of medication-assisted treatment. That's harm reduction. Yeah. Yeah, right? it absolutely is. But people just don't want to call it that. Gobi is the name of the program. Kelly Butler is a, a person who is only going to be here for a short period of time. It's just a stopover. But while you're here, damn, you're doing good work. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. If people want to actually contact us, they can visit our website. Yep. I'll have our contact information on there. Again, it's gobi.org. Yep. And that's G-O-B-H. I dot org dot org slash slash E-O-O-S. E-O-O-S. Yes, Kelly, sir. thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Neil. I'm Neil Scott. We're down here in Oregon at a great conference, uh, which is sponsored by the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. It's the annual leadership conference. We'll take a short time out. We'll be back after this. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you, and what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest, no kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Back once again, if you hear all the noise in the background, we're having a great time down here. We're coming to you from the beautiful Sun River Resort in Oregon, broadcasting from the annual leadership conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. There's over 100 folks down here, and it's just a real stimulating conversation with a lot of really interesting people. Tanya Pritt is joining us. She is the director and has been for the past 26 years of the Milestones Women's Program in Corvallis. She was on a panel that I had the pleasure of moderating this morning. Tanya, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. And I'm anxious to tell our listeners about Milestones. Give us a, a thumbnail sketch of that. Well, Milestones began uh, out of a family need. It's a family-owned business a little over 30 years ago. Wow. And uh, we began with a outpatient clinic for adults and then a residential, co-ed residential for adults. And in my time there, we have added adolescent, residential, and outpatient, and women's programs specific, and we talked earlier, specific to Native American. We're getting ready to build a men's residential that'll open wow. in about six months, and half of those beds are going to be specific to Native men. So it's the commitment we have to the tribal organizations. Are there many programs around the country specific to Native American men? Um, I know that NARA in oh, yeah, Portland, yeah. and they they are the expert in the field. Right. And um, But I don't know about any other outliers in Oregon, and so we're just committed to help. Yeah. Talk about the, the recovery process at Milestones. 
Well, as a whole, we... Um, you do a lot of different things. We do a lot of different things. The women's program's pretty different looking at everything, but we all know what everybody else knows in the field. I don't know that we do anything um, completely different. Um, I think the biggest thing is people need time. They need time to learn, to integrate lessons, to practice, and... Um, all of our programs are ASAM driven, so mm -hmm. people are there as long as they need to be. And nobody is, say, calling the shots on length of stay other than the client and staff together. That and, is very unique oh. uh, in this day and age, believe me, especially with insurance saying, well, we'll only pay for 42 days or right. 21 days or whatever the heck it happens to be. And what, what about the person? What about the individual who right. may need more, may need less? It, it's, yeah. it's an individual decision. Right. And, and we're practiced now at looking at the dose of treatment mm -hmm. that we give because people may come in and say, gosh, I've been here two weeks, I got this, I need to go away and practice it. Okay, um, but our door is open. And so people come back in the door for maybe another dose. Now, sometimes that dose may be six months. It may be eight months in the terms of people who come into our residential and transitional that were previously homeless and without any supports. Those people are going to be there a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of storytelling in your treatment. We do. That's a, um, it's a native ethic. Yeah. And so little kids are coming up or told stories about their culture and their family. Which I think is beautiful, by the it way. It is beautiful. And so that's one of the things um, when women come in, we, we like to engage them back with their cultural practices. And it gives them strength and it gives them uh, hope. And it connects them back to their native community that is also in recovery or um, a lot of times the grandparents that have had a heavy hand in raising everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we do, we do that. And you do a lot of positive parenting. We do. Positive Indian parenting is a, it's a, um, curriculum that is relational and incorporates these native practices like storytelling. So we teach our daycare staff to do the same things. When we have moms in, we'll engage with them and do a lot of coaching and even helping them. Uh, we tell a lot of sort of traditional native stories, the tale of the two wolves, and uh, everybody's familiar with that one. But uh, we have women who will say, I am feeding the wrong wolf today. I need help. <laughs> so oh, that's yeah, funny. we make those things live. Tanya Pritt joining us, director for the past 26 years at Milestones Women's Program in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, you, you do a lot with Wellbriety, which is, is a Native American program, but a lot, a lot of places are using that. A lot are because it's consistent with the 12 steps, yeah. and um, it's an easy thing to use. Uh, the uh, One thing that we're really excited about is we've been um, really trying to work closer with the medicine wheel and doing treatment planning or service planning with that as a base. Mm. And the women are excited about doing that. Uh, I'm trying to teach the folks at the men's program, the men's, it's a um, supportive housing with treatment, day treatment. And so we have men coming over from the tribes for treatment there. Uh, it's just a shot less than residential, 
and we it looks kind of residential but it's not and so that's why we're building our residential yeah so that we have that then we'll have a step down process you do something called talking circles i i talk in circles but i don't <laughs> think that's what it's all about tell me about it Talking circles are, they're actually the favorite group among parents going to the kids program. So we do talking circles everywhere. And the reason the, the parents say they love it is, first of all, they're a little afraid to come to a group therapy. And in talking That's circle... That's kind of intimidating. It's way intimidating. But I tell them, try the talking circle first. Because they're allowed to say and express what's heavy on their heart. And then it just sits there. And nobody, there's no feedback. There's no um, challenging. There's none of that. They just come in and they kind of empty that stuff. And they have permission to do that. Yes, absolutely. And it's the way it's constructed. And so the women love it. When I have a number of women engaged in what we might call drama, <laughs> sometimes we'll call an elder in to do the uh, talking circle. And it, it's, there's just such a ceremonial healing property to talking circles and uh, invitation to really share personally without fear because nobody's going to confront them in group. No judging. No judging. No judgment zone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing that you do, and I, I want to talk a little bit about this as well, is sexual health in recovery. <laughs> well, sexual health in recovery is a... Um, curriculum that was developed by Doug Braun and he's a sex therapist down in San Diego and um, he does it in co-ed groups down there. It's the group everybody loves to go to the best. So I have gone to some mini trainings at conferences three times with him and we use his curriculum throughout our system. What's cool about it is it almost replaces any relapse prevention because people are relational. People don't relapse because they happened on a, I don't know, a pile of drugs and thought, oh yeah, you're calling me. No, it's a relationship yeah, yeah. that gets people in that. So it might be the boyfriend, the husband, the wife, the sister, the brother, whoever that is inviting them in. Uh, it's also absolutely within those sexual relationships. So this was a um, this is a non-native thing. It's one we do, and the women are. It was kind of comical at first because they would say, "We don't talk about this. This isn't anything." This we is get. sex. You can't <gasps> talk about that. Can't do that. <laughs> but what they get out of it is they. They get in tune. They get in tune with their desires, their bodies, their thoughts, their relationship pieces, and they get a voice. And they learn how to set a boundary. And they learn that it, is important. It is so important. But that curriculum, it it does it without being one of those treatment groups. And right, right. in outpatient, it is the best attended group. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You They're know, not going to miss it. People in in early recovery are so vulnerable sexually, uh -huh. uh, not only women, but men as well. Yes, yes. And, and with, without the tools, without knowing how to handle all of right. that. Uh, so I, this is wonderful, sexual health and recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Great curriculum. What is your website? 
www.milestonesrecovery.com. Tanya Pritt joining us, director for the past 26 years of the wonderful Milestones Women's Program in Corvallis, Oregon. And uh, I, I appreciate your time in doing the interview and for being a part of the panel this morning. Oh, Good stuff. Thank Solid you. Solid stuff. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more from the Leadership Conference down here in Oregon. We'll be right back. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back once again. I'm Neil Scott. Nice to be with you. Uh, you're on Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. So great to have you with us tonight. Uh, we're on the road. We're taking you down to a beautiful place called Sun River Resort in Oregon. We're broadcasting from the annual leadership conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. It's a marvelous organization. And they do a, a yearly conference, a leadership conference. And we're down here for three days and they asked me if I would lead a panel of some of the top experts in the state of Oregon working with family programs, moms with kids, dads with kids, families getting well together. And I said I would be absolutely honored and delighted. And one of the people on the panel this morning was Renee Reedy. She's program manager of OnTrack in Medford. Now, I'm not real familiar with OnTrack. You may not be either. So together, we'll find out what's going on at OnTrack. Renee, welcome to the program and tell us about OnTrack. Thanks, Neil. Well, I work at the home program. It's also known as the Moms and we deal specifically with any mom. They have to have either had a child or be pregnant to get into the program. So if you haven't had a child, you can't come into the program. You better get busy. <laughs> yes, you better get busy because they won't let you in. A lot of the women come in uh, are DHS and in, in, in all trimesters? All trimesters. Okay, okay. Yeah, we actually just had a gal come in yesterday, 36 weeks pregnant. Oh, oh goodness. And she had used throughout her entire pregnancy, but I mean, I'm grateful that she's in. Yeah. We partner up with a clinic called Oasis and they mm. do medication assisted therapy. So yeah. we got her in and they usually get us in there within 24 hours. So mom yeah. can get on medication and get off of the heroin. Sadly, a lot of women, by the time they find out they're pregnant, they've been using and not even knowing that they were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And oh. it's usually it's just too late. They yep. can't stop. And it doesn't really have anything to do with love. Yep. If they could stop, they would. And yep. there's a lot of shame and guilt that go along oh. with it. And once they do get in there and they have their baby, we do have some babies that are drug affected. The hospitals are doing things a little bit differently now. They're not using medication as much as they used to to detox the babies. Really? What are they doing? Uh, they're trying to do more skin-to-skin -skin contact, uh, keeping the sound level down, maybe putting little headphones on the babies or earmuffs, anything just to reduce any kind of um, extra stim Yeah. yeah. And then um, just keeping them in there for just a little while, and then they'll come back to our program. And we have a section of the house specifically for moms and new babies. It's a little bit quieter. There's four rooms, four beds off of one end of the house. And uh, they can stay in there for probably 30 days and just have a little bit more peace and quiet. 
and time to just nurture and bond with the babies and there's just less stimulus in there for the the babies mm. also i think something different with our program than what it used to be I, we're trying to use more emotional regulation mindfulness maybe a lot of other places have used it for quite some time this is area that's newer for us so you're just introducing this now into the treatment cycle i think it has been in the past year or two ramping yeah. up more art music movement that kind of thing, even uh, introducing different vocabulary words, just showing some of the women different things or letting them uh, increase their knowledge base. They'll feel more comfortable, build some self-esteem. Work on them from that, I think, from that area instead of just learning specifically about the disease concept of addiction yeah. and focusing just on that, just showing that, that there's more out there and then encouraging them to get more education. I think just overall building up their esteem yeah. in Southworth. Renee Reedy joining us, uh, program manager on track in Medford. She was on the panel that I moderated this morning, and unfortunately she was the first person on the panel. And oftentimes the first person on the panel only says a few things and then everybody else says things, and you think, oh, I wish I'd said that, I wish I'd said that. <laughs> so I said, well, come on over and, and we'll go ahead and do an interview and we can talk more extensively about on track. How many women uh, are, are there? 29. We have a 29-bed facility. Uh, our program, uh, the capacity is 45. So if we get 20 women and 25 children, mm. that's where we'll stop. Mm. And that's happened. I think last year about this time we had 18 babies all under six months. <laughs> and, and that was pretty exciting. And I think one thing that I think is a strength that I really, really enjoy about our facility we meet every woman that comes in there where they're at. No judgment. Yeah. Uh, since I've been there, I don't, I don't care if somebody's been there three times before. You know, maybe some people say she, maybe she wasn't ready. Well, maybe she wasn't, but maybe we missed something. Right. So, so let's look at it and see what we missed. And start anew. Start fresh. Give her a different counselor. Mm -hmm. Maybe we missed trauma that she didn't share with us at that time. Uh, we've had one gal that's lost uh, four children to the system, and she's pregnant. Well, what's different with her? Well, what's different with us? Let's help her. Let's find out what she needs so she can be a mom to this baby. I mean, we all had a, had some kind of a past. I think we need to meet people where they're at and not judge them for their past. How do the 12 steps enter into your program? A lot of our counselors are in recovery, mm -hmm. and they work the 12 steps. So we have 12-step groups. We have H&I, health and institutions, mm -hmm. come yeah. in. We take the clients to meetings. We have in-house meetings, and then we have alumni speakers come in and talk to them as well. I think it's really important to build up a stable support oh, system. Yeah. They must be positive mentors for these women where yeah. they can look forward and say, wow, if she made it with her story, maybe there's hope for me. Right, and that and that's another thing. A lot of our staff, probably 90% are trained peer support or certified oh, recovery that's mentors. Wonderful. And I would say three quarters of our support staff went through the program, so they know. Oh. They've had enough clean time. We've hired them, and I think it gives the women great comfort because they can relate, and then they can see hope. Yeah. And know that they can make it and make a difference. Too. So it's a really good group. How do all of the kids get along? The kids? <laughs> well, 
the oh geez, that is a tough question, Neil. I think it depends because the house kind of it ebbs and flows. Yeah. We're either going to have a lot of babies or we're going to have toddlers. Oh. And when you have toddlers, somebody's going to get bit or kicked <laughs> Boy, don't I or know something. That. Yeah. But yeah. it's upcoming now is the flu season, so we try to really oh. hammer home to keep clean and wash your hands. And invariably, the whole house is going to get sick. Yeah. So. I have a four-year-old grandson, and I have another grandson that's uh, uh, just over a year, and I know all about the biting and the rambunctiousness and all of that, yeah, and it, and that's just with two of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like. Some in, of them the are home. sassy. Yeah. We had one counselor actually teach a little kid. He knew that she had candy in her office, but she also had salami and cheese. And every morning, this little boy would run down the hall yelling, meat. He just wanted meat. So he would go to her office for meat. What kid wants meat, you know? Um, so I think those are the things that are probably the most rewarding is the little things like that and yeah. watching the women grow and blossom. And, and then come back. And then come back and work for us or speak for us. Oh. So it is, a, I don't think I've ever, I never intended to work in this type of environment. I never wanted to work with women and kids, but now I don't think I couldn't do anything else. Mm, mm. If I wasn't working there, I would probably go to Walmart and work or something. What have you know. learned most from working there? How resilient people are. Mm. And despite all of the trauma and the sadness, just the ability for people to bounce back and just the ability for people to show compassion and love for each other, whether it's staff or clients. Mm. Like I say, it's the best place I've ever worked. Yeah. Every employee yeah. would stay late at the drop of a hat without complaint. They volunteer to come in on holidays. I mean, that, that, that's really the key to a good treatment center is the staff. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not how wonderful the place looks. It's not where it is in relationship to a, a country facility. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, what I call silk sheet facilities mm -hmm. out there that are absolutely gorgeous. But don't tell me what you look like. Show me who you are. Ours is not a silk sheet facility. <laughs> if you come in, you're probably going to see a cookie on the floor or something. A room is not going to be clean 100% of the time. But it's going to be lived in and it's going to be home. loved in. It's home. And it's going to be loved in. Yeah. That's amazing. What, what is your website, Renee? Our website is on track Rogue Valley. On track roguevalley.org. And so we do have an outpatient facility. We have a facility in Grants Pass, a residential for men and women in Grants Pass, and then we have a dad's program just up the road that we work with if they have a partner, dad at the dad's, a mom at the mom's. Mm -hmm. We try to collaborate that way, see what we can do to keep the family together. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, the d addiction is a family disease, and we can treat one person, but if you don't treat the whole family, yeah. it's not going to make a difference. Absolutely. So. But when you do treat that whole family and they get well as a family, wow. Yeah. I don't think there, there, there probably can't be anything better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're doing great work. Renee Reedy joining us. She's program manager at On Track in Medford. Uh, and the website again is ontrackroguevalley.org. I'm Neil Scott. We're down, down here in Oregon. We're going to take a short time out. We'll be back with more from the conference right after this. Alcohol is running your life. You want help but can't take time away from work to get it. Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. 
Sundown M Ranch outpatient programs have helped thousands recover from addiction without losing time on the job. Nationally recognized for innovative, effective, and affordable treatment programs, Sundown M Ranch will help you put your life back on track. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy, so we show them how, and we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids need to know the dangers and how to avoid them. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids, because when you talk, they hear you. We welcome you back to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. From time to time, we take the show out on the road. Tonight, we are broadcasting from the annual leadership conference of a great organization. It's the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health. They are out of Portland. They have 42 different members, and the conference is being held in the beautiful Sun River Resort. And I've had a chance to meet a lot of interesting people. I had the the honor of, of doing a panel this morning about family treatment, and one of the panelists, Todd Jeter, is joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. He's the Director of Residential Services, including the Letty Owings Center for Women at Central City Concern in Portland. Todd, welcome to the program, and give our listeners uh, a, a little bit of background on your program, the Letty Owings Center. Sure. Thanks for having me, Neil. We are a 29-bed residential treatment facility, primarily serving parenting women who are impacted by addiction. For women to enter the program, they either are having children with them or have a return home plan to have their children with them. And sometimes we have women who are coming into our facility pregnant. What are the challenges in dealing with a pregnant woman? You know, one of the challenges is getting them into treatment to begin with. And so um, we a significant piece has already happened before we start our interactions. From there, education and engagement, motivation to continue in treatment, all of those things are really primary factors. You talked this morning about uh, a, a number of things, and, and one was the fact that in your program, looking at a goal of long-term recovery, you have a non-punitive approach to the whole relapse process. Share that with us, if you would. We do. Um, and a shift to a, a non-punitive approach in general in treatment. Traditional treatment, it, it, it's been evolving. We like to think that we're progressive in the way that we are handling things that require discipline or require correction, that we're doing that in a way that's supportive, that we allow for client feedback and that we take that into consideration, that we practice the things that we're teaching the clients to do, and that we're responding not from the basis of black and white guidelines, but that we're able to work in the gray area when it's therapeutically necessary to do so. Todd Jeter joining us. He is the Director of Residential Services, including the Letty Owings Center for Women. Todd, give us a little bit of your background. You're a guy in long-term recovery. Yes. Um, I got clean in 2010 in Florida after four different residential treatment stays, one of which lasted more than a week. Yes, I went to treatment at the Salvation Army Recovery Center in, in Tampa, Florida. That was a, a wonderful program. I, I learned a lot of things there. This um, is your fifth time, right? 
Th- this was four. This four was magic show. number four. Magic number, magic number four. I knew a guy who was one of my mentors named R. Brinkley Smithers. He was a, a big advocate in, in the addictions field early on. He was a friend of Bill W.'s in the true sense. Of they, were, they were both stockbrokers. Very wealthy man. He was as wealthy as his name sounds, R. Brinkley Smithers. And Brink went through treatment 52 times. The 53rd time, he stayed sober for over 40 years until he passed away. So as long as an addict or an alcoholic is out there breathing, there is hope for that person. And you found it on the fourth time. You found it at Sally. What happened when you got out of treatment? Well, what happened for me is I went directly from treatment to jail because I had um, uh, drug-related charges that I was dealing with. Wreckage of the past, I believe they call that. Yes. So it wasn't a, a glorious graduation. It was off to, off to jail, but I spent about a year incarcerated. And when I got out, I found that staying busy was really important for me, especially in the first few months. I had a friend who was a retired professional boxer. He had a painting company. And in his warehouse, he had some boxing equipment. And I found myself every morning at about 5 a.m. running, going to work for him, painting houses uh, until 5.30 or so in the afternoon, boxing until about 9 o'clock and passing out dead tired and and doing the whole thing over again. And uh, so that got me some time outside of an institution. Uh, some clean time built up. So that really helped me out early on. Were there any resources, any 12-step programs, anything inside the joint? There were. We had 12-step programs. Um, Did you attend? I did. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. So you got that building block, that base at Sally, then went to the Gray Bar Treatment Center, and uh, uh, was there for a year, and and your your recovery continued. You came out, and you stayed busy. You stayed active, and and your your body and your mind came together. Something else that I I absolutely can't uh, leave out. It wasn't all rosy because I completed treatment. When I was when I was in jail, I found myself still not able to abide by all the rules. At one point, I did. 47 days consecutively of uh, solitary confinement. Wow. While I was in there, what I had with me was a Bible. I asked my grandmother to send me in a book of hymns. I grew up in Southern Baptist Church. I had quite the, the spiritual awakening during that time. Early on when I got out, I was able to be baptized in the, the Gulf Coast, in the ocean. And uh, that was quite an experience. And, you know, everything that, that I have today has to be first and foremost attributed to my higher power. Fast forward to today. You're married, you have a child, you have another one on the way. Life is good. Life is very good, yes. Uh, the gifts of recovery, I try to tell everyone that, that, I, that I work with um, in counseling, the gifts of recovery are far more than you could imagine. When I was trying to get clean, I had you know, just having a place of my own to rent, very low expectations of what I thought would, would, would just be tremendous gifts. And I could have never imagined the, the true gifts of recovery that have come. The promises yes, come true. Todd Jeter joining us, Director of Residential Services at Letty Owings Center for Women. And uh, you love those women, don't you? You know, uh, it's a special thing that we do, reuniting children with their families, with their moms. I never intended to get into women's treatment, but very early on in working in women's residential, I was a part of working with a client who was pregnant, and she, she delivered her child. And to be even the smallest part of seeing a child born clean into this world is 
and just beyond words. And, and this this happens every day at your program. Women come in and they find a life of recovery. Absolutely. How do they sustain that long-term recovery? I know that you explore other pathways besides the 12 steps, in addition to abstinence, harm reduction, and medication support. That's come under a lot of criticism by AA or medication support, but it takes what it takes, and you got a toolkit when you're, when you're in the recovery process, and you need to use whatever tools work for you. Right. It's in the name, harm reduction. It's not the ideal, but it's much better than the alternative. Absolutely. Well, it's a good, solid program, and you're a good, solid guy with good, solid recovery. And I'm pleased to meet you, and I'm very pleased to have had you on my panel this morning. You're doing good work. Keep it up. Thanks, Neil. Todd Jeter, he's Director of Residential Services, including the Letty Owings Center for Women. That's at Central City Concern in Portland. What's your website? CentralCityConcern.org. CentralCityConcern.org. Thanks, Todd. We're going to take a short time out. Back with more from the conference right after this. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later... The police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, We are on the road tonight. We're broadcasting from the annual leadership conference of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health, a great, great organization in the state of Oregon. And we are at the beautiful Sun River Resort where it's a little cool, but it's gorgeous as well. And we have an all-star guest coming up. And I say all-star, I mean an all-star guest. Kimberly Olson is the Director of Business Development for... You guessed it, all-star labor and staffing. And what makes this unique is that they do a lot of work placing people in recovery. And I'm just delighted to be able to talk to Kim. And she's nice enough to sit down and uh, share a little bit about uh, all-star labor and staffing. Kim, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And I mean, welcome because you're new on the job. I am. Day one. (laughs) double, Double welcome on day one. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> wow, you've been thrown right into the fire, haven't Certainly you? Certainly have. <laughs> but you're no newcomer to this whole field. No, I'm not. 27 years experience. Yeah, give me some background on Kimberly. Kimberly Olson comes from a family of strong addiction and loss oh. and um, chose to get out of that and get an education to try to help individuals. I have family members that are suffering Mm. through this, and I wanted to be a part of a solution. Part of the solution. And a change. Yeah, yeah. What did you do yesterday? (laughs) If today is day one, what were you doing yesterday, Kim? Signing paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) For the last couple of years, where have you been working? I've been working with a company called Employers Overload. So it's the same same type? Mm-hmm. Did they also deal with people in recovery? No, they didn't. Ah, so no. you're in the right place. I'm in the right at place. At the right time for the right reason. Absolutely. Yeah. I often say there's no such thing as coincidence. It's God incidents. So true. Could not have said that any better. 
Yeah. So t talk about what all straw labor and staffing does, uh, especially in relationship to people in recovery. Because when people sober up, a lot of times they think, well, I'm unemployable. I, how do I tell my employer when they find out I'm in recovery, they're not going to hire me and all of those issues. Great question. The owner of All-Star Staffing, Ramona Matheny, has a true passion for mm. second chances and truly believes in our hearts that it's our jobs to help these individuals find their purpose mm. and find their true meanings by going out into the community, uh, speaking to employers to provide second chances to these individuals and see they're trying to make themselves better in return. They are able to find a home, a purpose, security, and value in who they are as people. They're not lost because they have a past addiction or dealing with an addiction. I think that they're going to be the world's saviors. Yeah, and there's two sides to this. And number one is the person who is looking for employment, mm -hmm. and, is, and, and you folk can help that person. The other side is from the employers who need to be educated that if you hire somebody in recovery, you're getting a bonus. You're getting people who are, you know, ha have a new lease on life. Recovery is just the end-all, be-all. They're the best employees you can have. Absolutely. Without a doubt. We've yeah. seen it time and time again. Our customers will tell us they're the best employees we've yeah. ever had. They're committed. Yeah, yeah. If they're taking care of themselves, yeah. they're going to take care of what they're doing out there and take pride yeah. in that. Yeah. So you're located in Portland. We are. And, and the website is allstarlabor.com. Yes. You're expanding to some other cities as well. We are. Um, we just opened in Arizona. Mm -hmm. We'll be opening in Illinois, Chicago area. Mm. My job is going to be to open Washington. Ah, I'm okay. I'm really Good. super excited and passionate Good. about it. So how does it work? Do people contact you and say, I'm in recovery and looking for a job? If they choose to do that, yes. They don't have to share their past with us, but they can come in and they write out their job experience. We sit down and we speak to them individually about what it is they're looking for, and we speak to the employers out in that community and educate them. Based on, these, based on the type of work, I assume. Yeah. Exactly. What are some of the different types of work? My goodness. It can range from construction, production, manufacturing, office clerical, mm. Customer service, uh, hospitality. There's a variety of ranges yeah. of businesses out there that you we can help. You don't just deal with people in recovery. No, we no. do not. But we, you do deal with people in recovery. Absolutely. So, and unlike our competitors yep. out there in the market, they won't do that. So with Ramona and her passion, she started this business to provide second chances for employees to prove themselves to employers they are of value how has it worked out historically i know this is your first day but certainly you have some background on the company i do it's been phenomenal we've had some of the best people come back in and talk about how they feel like they've been able to start a family yeah to get an apartment and a place to call home instead of living on the streets yeah. and going back to their addiction because they found no purpose. Is, is there a way, or maybe you already do this, of working with treatment programs as people get out of treatment and are looking for places to work? Absolutely, and I know that Ramona has that passion, and she I don't know of all the different mm -hmm. programs that she currently goes through, being my first day, but um, that's her passion. We want those individuals to come in. We want to help those people.
So it's, it's men and women, all ages? Of all ages. Come in and see us. We will help you. Wow. What are some of the challenges in, involved in placing people? I would say that the biggest challenges is, is they do come in, they speak to us, tell us the story, tell us they want to go to work, and then they don't show up. Oh. Or we never hear from them again. That's hard. Yeah. Because we really do want to help those people, but we can only do our part. Right. They have to do their part as well. Right. It's a two-way street. Well, if you are in the state of Oregon or the state of Arizona or soon to be the state of Washington, yeah. <laughs> uh, keep in mind allstarlabor.com. And if you go to that website, what will people find? They're going to find a home. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you for saying it. Kimberly Olson is the Director of Business Development. It is day one, but I get a feeling she is going to be dynamite. <laughs> Looking for a job in recovery? This is the place to go. AllStarLabor.com. We are down here in Oregon at the Sun River Lodge, and it's a great resort. And better than a great resort, it's a great conference. Alcohol is running your life. You want help, but can't take time away from work to get it. Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown M Ranch outpatient programs have helped thousands recover from addiction without losing time on the job. Nationally recognized for innovative, effective, and affordable treatment programs, Sundown M Ranch will help you put your life back on track. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. We certainly hope you've enjoyed our conversation with some of Oregon's best leaders in the ongoing battles to help people and love people into treatment and a lifetime of recovery. There are countless other leaders who are doing equally good work down here in Oregon. And if we're fortunate to come back here again, we'll bring you their profiles, their stories, and their responses to the challenges of access to treatment. You can find out more about the amazing members of the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health at ocbh.org, an amazing provider organization making a huge difference in the lives of countless Oregonians. And a special thanks to Tia Hotzler. She's the operations manager for the Oregon Council for Behavioral Health for her tireless efforts in making the conference amazingly successful. Until next time, I'm Neil Scott on Recovery Coast to Coast, reminding you that the bright side of addiction and mental illness is recovery. Pass it on, because recovery is as recovery does. Thanks so much for joining us. And be sure to visit our website at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. You've been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, which is heard nightly, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific Time from iHeart Media Studios in Seattle and carried on AM 850 KHHO in the Seattle-Tacoma area and heard nationally in streaming audio. For more information about future programs, please visit recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast previous shows. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery. The Bright Side of Addiction is recovery.